Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Are you a motivated food blogger striving to meet financial or freedom goals? If so, then the Eat Blog Talk membership is for you. Take a journey with like-minded peers that will bring you past the overwhelm and straight into the arms of clarity. You will have direct access to guest experts delivering massive amounts of value into your business. You will have the opportunity to participate in monthly strategy calls, focusing on different aspects of food blogging, and most importantly, you will be part of a tight-knit, supportive, and encouraging family filled with people just like you. Visit eatblogtalk.com for more information, and the rest of us cannot wait to see you inside. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. I have Megan Williamson with me today from meganwilliamson.com, and we are going to have a fun chat about Pinterest. Megan Williamson, Pinterest strategist, niche marketing expert, and OG pinner is here with me today. Megan helps overwhelmed and confused business owners and bloggers learn how to grow their audience with Pinterest. Unlock the power of Pinterest so you can level up and create a constant funnel of leads, sales, and website traffic. Megan, I'm excited to chat about Pinterest today, but first we all want to hear your fun fact. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Megan. So fun fact about me that not many people know. Well, some people know if they've listened to previous interviews. Two, I'm going to say two. One that hardly anyone knows is I was actually homeschooled until I was 13, which I think surprises people. I have a master's in school psychology, so actually specialized in helping children achieve academic uh, success, but never went to primary school myself. Um, which, well, if you don't count homeschooling, um, but I'm also a blogger. So I started out in the online space as a DIY and decor blogger. So my original sort of entry into the online world was as a blogger uh, attempting to monetize, um, you know, a budding brand new website starting at zero 11 years ago. Oh my goodness. Well, that's very interesting. Wow. So cool to know your background because now you're just like all about Pinterest and you're um, a very well-known strategist and just like a marketing expert. So you're very (laughs) well-rounded. Yeah, it's funny because people will say to me like, you know, whoa, you started out as this. And I think some in some ways, actually, my background and experience lends perfectly to helping other people because I have that bigger scope and sort of like, you know, I see things from all different angles because I have worked with bloggers. Um, it really ha- helped me when I started working with brands who sometimes struggle with content creation and understanding how to reach their audience. And the background in psychology is always very helpful when you work in marketing. <laughs> oh, my God. Gosh, I agree. And I think it's so helpful to be well-rounded like that when you're helping people because you, like you just said, you have different perspectives, which is extremely valuable. You know, you can see all sides. So I love that. That makes you extra valuable, Megan. <laughs> so let's dive into Pinterest because I was chatting with you a little bit about Pinterest before we started recording. And in our food blogging circle just this week, we were chatting about like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Looking at my Pinterest analytics, I'm, and this is not typical for me. Usually my analytics are up, 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 great, doing fine, awesome. And they are way down. And I think that is kind of the theme across the board for bloggers right now. Um, Do you just want to talk about like, what are some recent changes? What is kind of going on with Pinterest currently? Sure. Well, you aren't alone. Um, I think that it's funny because bloggers always have their finger on the pulse, right? They really are some of the first people to know their numbers quite intimately and probably in a in a greater depth than most business owners and when I say business owner a a few years ago I was like you know I often say like online business owners bloggers the bloggers that I work with are really people who are making a full-time income from blogging and you know it's a it's a full-time gig and I work I do I have assisted people who do it part-time and are looking to scale but um 
They really are very serious about what they do. And because of that, they have in-depth understanding of their numbers. And so um, it's a real privilege to come from that experience of those relationships because it's really helped me to understand what key metrics we should be looking at. So food bloggers are not alone in um, sort of a lot of the blogging communities. People are saying what's going on. Um, we have seen some huge changes coming out of Pinterest. I, you know, I jokingly mentioned to you earlier that because I've been on Pinterest since a, I was a beta um, member. So really like back when Ben used to send you a personal invite to the community is when I joined Pinterest. So I've weathered all the ups and downs. And one key thing to note with all the changes is actually there was a massive change with how Pinterest calculates or aggregates the actual numbers that we're seeing in that Pinterest analytics dashboard. So just as a heads up, it's weird because it's sort of, I actually jokingly said to somebody like, if you heard that a recipe was made a certain way and you've made it that way your whole life. And then like, you know, you move out, you meet someone new and they're like, oh no, no, do it this way. But you, the end result might you know that the result is still the same but the recipe is completely different it's sort of shocking right so i think that the way to think about this is that the way that pinterest calculates those some of those metrics that they're reporting in, in your dashboard has changed now what i always encourage people to do is to look back at your key performance indicators as a blogger or somebody who's a content creator of what actually so I just had somebody in my own community say she's um, a decor blogger, makes her full time living. And she was like, oh, my gosh, Megan, like all of my numbers are in the red when I go into my Pinterest dashboard. And I said, well, let's let's take a step back, you know, breathe. Remember, it's social media. It's changing constantly. How's your how's traffic to your website? What are your page views and sessions like? What are your saves like on Pinterest? And she was like, they're all up. And I was like, well, why, why do you care then? She's like, because it just gets sticker shock, right? So it's important to know that how impressions and engagements are being calculated has changed. So literally the number. So that number that we saw last August or September is now calculated differently. So do we need to hyper-focus on it? No. What I would say is make sure that you're evaluating your key metrics that actually are the things that grow your business. So, you know, page view sessions, time on site, all those things. And when people actually step back and look at those metrics, they actually often report no change or an increase in their numbers. So, you know, you can, everyone can relax. I encourage everyone to look at that first, but there has been um, big dips in impressions. It's often as a result of a few different things. One, Pinterest has made um, a change in their algorithm in the sense of what's being favored. So Story Pins was rolled out worldwide in the last you know, few months. Now, um, I, interestingly, not many people know this, but Story Pins uh, were first rolled out in the UK almost two years ago. They you know, test pot did the pilot there. Then they shut them down in the UK, which is so cruel to give them this cool new function, then take it away, then rolled them out in the US. And then from there, after kind of like playing around with them, lots of glitches, testing how they worked um, and how they were going to function for us as business users, and then how regular people were going to engage with them, um, they, they actually shifted like they rolled them out to Canada, the UK, and now they're they're being rolled out worldwide, which is really exciting. But because of that, because they're a very different type of pin than what we're used to, this has been one of the contributing factors to why impressions and engagements are being calculated differently. So that is often why people are seeing drops in those numbers, because there's been this shift in how search works and how content is indexed on Pinterest um, with a preferential treatment for story and video pins. And so that's sort of the taking all the big stuff and trying to boil it down. That's why we've seen changes. Yeah, that is such a great explanation. And I have not heard anything even remotely like that. But it gives me a sense of <laughs> calm because you're right. When you open analytics and you see red, red, red across the board and not just a little bit red for me, but like a significant number of red 
it's alarming and it makes you stop in your tracks and go, wait a second, what? Because I've been on Pinterest since Pinterest started, like forever. And I've never seen numbers like that. But to have you kind of explain why and just tell me that things are being calculated differently and maybe to go over to Google Analytics and look at my overall page views and keep an eye on that instead, um, that helps me so much. So thank you. You just gave me... You're welcome. Well, you know what? You're not alone, Megan. And I think that's just it, right? That everyone's like, you just, it causes mass panic. Yeah, it it does. does, Right? It's that like, (gasps) what? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I mean, I was doing a mastermind call the other day and we were talking about Pinterest and we were all were looking at our Pinterest accounts and we were doing a Zoom call so I could see everyone's faces and everyone was looking at their analytics and they were all just frozen, myself included. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And so I was like, okay, you guys, Look at me, like take your eyes off the numbers because sometimes you do just have to do that. I've learned that over the years, <laughs> blogging so yeah. so long that you can't stare at the numbers. You are going to go crazy. I love that reminder, but it's like sometimes you just have to like make yourself step away. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there is this, um, again, I think because I have a more intimate relationship with a lot of people who who do blog full time and, you know, it is they're they're very serious about it is that I notice a big divide. And I say this with the with a ton of love. But there are some people who um, there seems to be two camps. There's the people who keep their head down, keeps, you know, they're they're watching what's happening, but they focus on those core elements, producing high quality content, considering how the landscape is changing. You know, we all know that video is really important. We all know that as things move forward, you know, like, I just want to encourage people that there's really no use in resisting these changes. These changes are actually to serve the greater, you know, the greater user base of Pinterest, or whether it be Instagram or Facebook. And some of these things, you know, we could spend a lot of time getting together and like, you know, I've done this myself, get together uh, virtually, of course, right now, most places, but like, you know, getting together, having a natter, as my granny would call it, and kind of releasing that energy, right? Like, isn't that frustrating? But the reality is, is that the people who roll with the punches, who instead of dedicating hours to hacks and kind of following harebrained advice that isn't rooted in information actually provided with Pinterest. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but I work directly with Pinterest. So when I share information, yet I'm always very careful to make sure that I delineate whether it's from a personal experience, it's a personal observation as somebody who sees a lot of Pinterest accounts, or if it's something that I have been told as a partner with Pinterest or Tailwind, um, which is a scheduling app. And I do think I get it. There's some people out there, they love hacks and they find these little tricks. Tricks and little like hacks are only going to work for so long. So I really turn to, you know, my insiders at Pinterest. I spend a lot of time reading um articles, I fall down a lot of rabbit holes. And actually, that's why in an attempt to understand all the recent changes, instead of spending hours reading toxic, negative things in Facebook communities, I'm in them too, Megan, like I'm in a ton of Facebook communities for bloggers, business owners, I manage my own, my own group has 7000 people. And I notice that the people who keep their head down, focus on how can I continue to evolve my content to meet where the social media landscape is going. Those are the people who continue to quietly be successful, get the best sponsorships, they're making the most money, they're they're being featured, because instead of resisting change, they're thinking, how can I use this? So the early adopters of story pins, and I think this is the perfect example, I saw in all the groups, all the bashing, why would I use them? I can't put a pin or a, sorry, just pardon me, a destination URL. Why, why, why? And so instead of actually just saying, oh, this is interesting. How could I use it to benefit me and really assist my social media marketing efforts? Um, you know, instead spending that time and sure we all groaned and we're all learning, but um, those are the people who are now 10 miles ahead and they're the people who are being like featured and they're they have growth day over day because they put their energy into saying like instead of resisting change they're embracing it and seeing how they can 
continue to evolve their content to really serve their audience. Oh, so well said. And that is kind of one of the themes that I live by in my work, my business is resisting change. Resisting anything is not good and it's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to be healthy. Surrender, like like you said, Megan, okay, Mm -hmm. story pins. Everyone was like, what? Why would I do that? I can't put a URL in there. Well, it's here. So embrace it. And it's not going away, it looks like. So why not? Right. And it seems like the more you use story pins, the more Pinterest kind of favors you like, oh, Megan likes story pins. She's awesome. So I'm going to maybe favor the rest of her content. I don't know if that's actually true, but it seems to be that way. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. And really, it leads into I know there's been a lot of discussion. It's sort of like, how do I continue to evolve how I approach Pinterest and leverage it for my blog or my business? And I think that that is going to be key. So embracing instead of resisting embracing story pins. Um, it's interesting, because I was he- not hesitant. I actually had I worked with actually with a food blogger based out of the UK, who was one of the first like really early um, um, access to story pins. So I got to play around with story pins when nobody had them and kind of experiment how it could be used and leveraged. And um, again, it was very early days, but then once it started to be rolled out in North America, I sort of am a sit back. I don't react right away. And I start to see the rumblings, right? Like, oh my gosh, what's this? So instead of reacting, I just start listening and I start watching and playing around myself. Um, And so I, I, what I noticed very quickly is the accounts where we started using story pins in creative ways were the accounts that had no dips in traffic. We continued to have huge amounts of success. And what we actually found is the days that we released story pins, because, you know, we also were trying to figure out what's sustainable. Story pins do take a lot of time. Um, And I find that depending on if they're already part of your workflow. So it's quite easy for creators who are already doing maybe an Instagram series, um, story series, that they can adapt that story series to be well suited to a Pinterest pin. I always encourage people, and this is one of my favorite things that a Pinterest employee said to me, repurpose with purpose. So make sure that it makes sense for the platform, right? Um, And I think that's a subtle way of saying like, don't just slap up something that has a, you know, a watermark from another platform. But like, if you're in Canva, and you're making your series or another, you know, other software, Adobe, etc. Photoshop, if you are making a set of Instagram stories to go with a new recipe or or maybe a sponsored post, you know, think about how you could adapt it to be a Pinterest story. Um, And that's what I find people are having a lot of success with. But what we notice is those days that we're putting out story pins, we have high amounts of engagement and impressions, which then has a knockoff effect that we're seeing the highest, you know, huge spikes in traffic on other pins. So on our standard pins or static images on our video pins. And actually, I do work with a few people who sell directly. And we had the we've had the highest income days direct from Pinterest, the same days that we put out story pins. So what we're noticing is, um, a friend of mine who's a, I won't say who she is, but she's a decor, a decor blogger. And she said, well, I'm willing to feed the beast if it's going to help me overall. And she has had massive success. She's being, and she only started using story pins six weeks ago and she's already been featured by Pinterest. Her traffic has never been higher. And she said that part of it was just letting go Um, And really knowing that, you know, how could she reuse content that she was creating elsewhere, but adapting it for the Pinterest audience. So making it keyword rich, um, making sure it made sense as a standalone piece of content. And then she was finding that all of her other key metrics that indicate growth for her website or blog go up that same, you know, if she's engaging in a regular story pin strategy. So that's my my big tip going forward. What I find is a lot of bloggers who have all seen that huge dip weren't necessarily, you know, they weren't necessarily gravitating t- towards creating a lot of video or story pin content. So once they start using those formats, they're seeing their numbers slowly rise. And that's, you know, that's part of the new, new Pinterest that we have to evolve to. <laughs> 
<laughs> the new Pinterest. I love it. Yeah, it's constantly evolving. And I always say this too, like, of course, it's going to be. It's a platform and it's never going to stay the same. No platforms stay the same forever. So we've got to roll with it. And we, like you said, Megan, like the more you roll with it, the more you just kind of let go, the better off you are going to be. So I love that theory. And I think we can all be reminded of that. So super appreciate that reminder. What are your thoughts on Tailwind? I know there's been a lot of talk out there recently about is Tailwind helping? Can I just use the Pinterest scheduler? What are your thoughts on Tailwind? Yeah, so I'm actually like in full disclosure, I'm in a, I'm a partner with Tailwind and I'm in close communication with members from their team. And when I started to see rumblings again about differences, um, I did reach out to them as well as um, connecting um, through like sort of me to Pinterest, me to Tailwind, and then making sure everything because I always want to make sure that I'm keeping up to date with with what's what's happening. So um, that said, it is my favorite Pinterest scheduler as somebody who supports other business owners and creators just like you guys. Um, I I just can't manually pin everything like there's no possible way maybe if I only had one account but there as as somebody at the height of my Pinterest marketing agency I represented upwards to 40 accounts quite a few of those were content creators and so as full-time content creators a lot of them are putting out three four things a week we got a lot of content to work with and so I've always loved Tailwind for being the most robust scheduler I have my own criticisms of ways that they could improve um, the program. Now, I know that there's been lots of reporting about, um, you know, what's been going on when pins are released or scheduled via Tailwind versus Pinterest. And I've, I've talked to Tailwind staff quite a bit about it. Now, according to Tailwind and Pinterest, who have been in close communication, um, the t Pinterest does not, like they allow approved partners and Tailwind is an approved business partner. So from a business perspective, Pinterest is saying, nope, there's no difference. But I think it would be silly for me not to acknowledge that some pins released via Tailwind seem to have lower impressions on those pins initially versus when they are pinned in real time manually within the Pinterest app. So one important thing for me to note is that I have always, always taught my folks in my world, as well as represented my clients that we have never automated our Pinterest marketing 100%. I've always engaged in a partial scheduling partial manual pinning. And that's where I've always seen the best growth with all accounts. So that has not changed ever with my accounts. We have not seen any drop in our key metrics, even though I, I, stu I still do retain a small client load, my team and I, um, although not many. And we haven't seen a drop in website traffic, saves, or sessions from Pinterest. What we have noticed is that um, because video pins and story pins are best conduct um, uploaded manually, and I'll tell you why, it's not because I don't love scheduling them. You can schedule video pins, but what we notice is that um, part of video and story pins is adding tag categories. So we know that that helps with telling the Pinterest gods how to index your content and whom to show it to, right? You cannot set those tag categories if you are using a scheduler, full stop. None of the schedulers allow you to do that. So I've always engaged in um, a strategy where video and story pins are uploaded manually. I do schedule video pins via the Pinterest scheduler. So um, it's a little bit complicated, but I have done some testing about what happens. We've actually seen no increased results when we schedule exclusively via Pinterest. Um, but my old, like my true tried and tested approach of scheduling about 80% through Tailwind and then adding fresh content and video and story content via manual pinning seems to be have the best outcomes. Um, 
Tailwind or other approved schedulers, whether it even be the Pinterest one, allows us to be in the right places at the right time, right? We can't, as like we got better things to do. We have families, we have dogs that need to be walked. We have, you know, making a delicious, healthy dinner. We, you know, right now I live in Toronto, Canada, and we just finally got spring. Like I can go outside without a jacket. So yesterday I went out with an iced coffee, watched my son learning how to ride a bike with the sun on my face. And I was just like, this is the best, right? Like this, this reminds us of, of happier times. Um, and so instead of spending my time manually pinning for my clients, which I do do, but I do it in a very scheduled way, um, I'm able to live my life. So what we noticed in Tailwind did their own independent study because they said like, we're not gonna ignore the fact that people from our community are sharing that their numbers seem quite low. When we say numbers, Typically, it seems to be impressions. Um, and they found similar results as what I have found through my informal, like, you know, testing I've done with myself and clients, that yes, impressions do seem to be lower. I actually wonder if it's because Pinterest has changed how they're calculating numbers so quickly without consultation between the engineering teams that is my own thing that I suspect it has not been confirmed I've asked a few times um, but I think when it, when an app changes how it calculates numbers or how it performs a function and they don't let partners be in on that then all the numbers are going to be totally off and that's why it's really important as content creators to always make sure that you're checking your numbers in something that is um distinct from the platform. So Google Analytics, or even if you're comfortable going into your, um, your backend, right, like using your web host and going in and checking your numbers there. Or if you have like, you know, some other, um, there's lots of, you know, I think like super metrics or these other third party um, analytic dashboards that you can use, I always make sure like that people are using something to cross reference so that we can actually have a more objective idea of if a change has had an impact on traffic. And with my own clients, we just haven't seen like our key metrics are traffic sessions and saves. Um, those are the, those are the metrics we care most about um, when it comes to our Pinterest marketing. And we haven't, we've only seen growth. Oh, that's great. I loved hearing you talk through all of that. Thank you so much. And here's something that I say all the time to people in my community is that, you know, we shouldn't be giving up on Pinterest because food bloggers especially have such a an opportunity with Pinterest because our content is visually appealing and it really captures people because everyone loves food. Everyone loves looking at pretty, you know, delicious pictures of food. So we have an opportunity that so many other people don't have to pull people in with our delicious food photos. So when people get really frustrated with Pinterest, I'm like, you guys don't give up because there's like we have opportunity that others do not. Can you speak on that? Yeah. Well, one thing I learned very early on, uh, you know, when I was doing sponsored content, I remember I was sitting actually at a Wayfair event with a with a blogger colleague. She's um, a, even a little bit more seasoned than me. And I think she had been blogging two years longer. Um, and we were at an event where there were a few people who were purely Instagram influencers. And she said, you know, there's part of me that wants to go to them and say, Hey, I love that you're big on Instagram, but remember, you don't own Instagram, you, we don't own Pinterest, we don't own Facebook, make sure you diversify your traffic streams. As a content creator, it's absolutely crucial. And I think that when it comes to Pinterest, like I'm, I, I'm actually just writing a blog post about this, is that I think I've always because of my own growth as a creator and as a blogger, I had very, like, I always got a ton of traffic from Pinterest. And that's when I clicked, you know, really clicked into Pinterest and the power of a visual search engine. Um, and that I created content that solved problems, right, that allowed people and how I used it as a regular person. I was looking for recipes. I was looking for ways to decorate on a budget. I was living in Europe and I didn't have a job. I was looking for travel inspiration. So I was naturally, and I was always a blog reader. So like for me, it always made sense in terms of that storytelling, in terms of being, and for me, actually very specific to the food industry, 
is that I'm picky when it comes to food. And so I make decisions, not just on the keywords, but my eyes. So like when I look for recipes on Pinterest, I do that quick visual search, like with my eyes, literally, like I, I'll search like cranberry muffins or chocolate cake or Irish soda bread. That was like some stuff I looked up recently. And I will decide based on how the photo looks because I know that there's like certain looks or styles of food. Like I'm more into whole food and I, you know, I have a four year old, so I'm trying to min minimize how much refined sugar we have so that he doesn't get a million cavities and, you know, like all these things I've always loved cooking, but I would make that decision based on what it looked like. Or even if I was painting a dresser, I knew that I would probably gravitate towards the, the images that were in the same decor style as me, which I can't, if I can't see an image, I can't make that decision. I'm a very visual person that way. Um, so as food bloggers, what I really encourage or anyone who, who creates, um, you know, makes their income online, one, you need to protect your assets and diversify your traffic. So even if Google loves you, even if Facebook is your place, it's really, really important that you diversify your traffic streams in case something happens. It's always the what ifs. Listen, I had a fire in my house a week ago and I actually am just writing an e email to my list about what I learned as a business owner because I had an emergency in my house where I had one to two minutes to decide what to do, right? And so it's like, because I had a plan, because of the business I've built, you know, everyone, don't worry, everybody's safe. But it's like shows how you, you think I'm never going to have a fire in my house, right? Like, what are the chances? But having those the what ifs, what if Instagram goes down? What if Pinterest goes down? What if I get blocked? What if YouTube disappeared? Um, and I think people who have been online for a longer time period recognize that. But this big long winded story is basically to say though, what I've always noticed is search engines have always been my best friend. And I think it's because I am the actual type of personality, maybe because I was homeschooled, maybe because of just who, who I am. I'm very extroverted. But sometimes I just, I, I don't ghost. That's not the right way of putting it. But I just don't feel like showing up online, <laughs> you know? And so for me, like those pa more passive aspects, right? Those more private things, blogging, search traffic, Pinterest traffic. I'm now, you know, jumping into the YouTube world. Um, but it's all ways that I can have traffic finding me, discovering me, um, that doesn't require me to be in my business every day. And I think that, you know, when content creators really consider that, and that's what I really worry about these baby influencers. I call them baby entrepreneurs who, you know, put all they've, they found fame first on Instagram or YouTube and they're doing like reverse engineering. And they, I've, I have the horror stories. I hear them all. Um, Instagram accounts that are hacked, Instagram accounts that are wiped while the influencers getting off a plane, going to a sponsored event where her obligation is to, you know, post all weekend and, and nothing will post on her Instagram account. So legally what happens to an influencer if you are locked out of a channel that you don't actually own. Right. Um, and I have people come to me that, that they've had that happen and it's pure panic. You know, it's like, Oh my gosh. But sometimes those like emergencies teach us that we have to plan for not and I think that's another thing in the blogging world is a lot of people feel that Pinterest owes them. We built you, honey, we don't own any of the platforms, right? We own our websites and we own our email lists um, and that's it. So you have to think about how you can use these platforms as they change to strategically grow your own business while not putting all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say I'm so sorry about your fire. That sounds terrible. I'm glad everything is okay and everyone's okay. But yes, those moments where you have to think really fast and like save people and save your things requires you to think a little bit differently. And obviously that's a little bit different than Pinterest, but kind of the same, right? Yeah, no, it is. And having a plan, right? And like what would happen if 
or what would happen if like even planning out your content or having, you know, working with what you have. It's so funny because I had, you know, a few things lined up and I was so grateful to have a business that could continue operating you know, not maybe to the full degree, but it could continue operating without me. And my email list continued to grow. I continued to get traffic. But like, I wasn't showing up on Instagram. I was living out of a pair of uh, harem yoga pants that I was wearing when my when I was told to evacuate my home. <laughs> you know, like, it's sort of like you're I'm living out of a bag right now. Um, and so this will make people laugh. And I think only people in the online space. So when once our house was cleared, I said to the fire chief, I said, you, I know you're going to think this is really crazy, but I own my own business. Can you please go into my office and grab my computer and bring it out to me? And he, Because it was like, you know, like I, I had to make choices. I have a cat, an elderly cat. I have a hundred pound silly one-year-old dog. I have a four-year-old. So I was like, you know, when, when, when things happened, I grabbed, you know, I got, I evacuated the vulnerable, the vulnerables, the pets, the, my son, um, I grabbed the iPad because I'm a mom and I was like, okay, how can I keep my son calm while this is happening? And then I went back in and I grabbed, I grabbed my ID and I just said everything else, you know, no big deal. We can survive. But then soon as that we knew that the fire hadn't spread, I begged that chief to go ahead and grab my computer. Oh my gosh, that is super funny. Yeah, because you're like, okay, all the important things are safe, but oh my gosh, I really want my computer. I can totally relate to that. Well, it's just one of those things that I thought you know if I could keep and then I was so thankful to have some stuff scheduled and you know I had a, bl a blog post in my drafts on WordPress and I was just like you know who like you know things keep going but it does it's a good reminder that um, you know you always have to have plans for when if things go a bit differently than planned. Yeah, absolutely. And things change all the time. So they are going to go differently than planned because we can't plan what Pinterest is going to do. We can't plan what changes Google is going to make or Facebook. So yes, like diversifying your traffic, like you're preaching here, Megan, is super important and something I think you said this too, that more experienced bloggers do just because we've kind of learned that that's what we have to do. And you, you will, if you don't do that, you will quickly be reminded that you need to start diversifying. I love this line that you said, I have to repeat it. You're doing things that don't require you to be in your business every day because I think People think that, quote, figuring out Pinterest is too much work and that they just can't do it. They, they're going to go back to Google and rely on that traffic or Facebook or both. But there are ways to get things moving in Pinterest so that you don't have to be in there every day. I 100% agree with that. It's so funny because I come from it from such a different angle. So when I create content, I actually conduct all my research on Pinterest and then keyword research for SEO at the same time. Um, and then everything else is an afterthought. And that just shows you how I've designed my business, though, is that those those search engines are the most powerful for me. They leverage my authority and they get me in front of And But, you know, I have a very different business model, but I, I've always believed in that. And, you know, I think that I've seen. I've seen how it works for different businesses. And, you know, because I started out in the blogging world, I did used to do a lot of consultation, not because I wanted to, but I would start working with these big brands, food companies, home decor companies, and they just didn't understand how to create content that people actually wanted to engage with and read. And so like marrying and really you the difficulty with Pinterest, and I think some people don't realize this, is you really won't have success unless you have high quality content that speaks to your audience. And I think that that's where some people get really discouraged. And it's, you know, I, I if people aren't having the success, they think, you know, go back to the books. If you if you're dedicating, to, it's like anything, right? If you want to grow your Instagram, you got to be consistent and dedicate some time. If you want to have more search traffic, what what do we do? We go back, we do updated, you know, so much has changed that landscape. I actually had to kill my old blog because it was such a mess from an SEO perspective. Um, and I, I just couldn't bear the thought of going back and optimizing now, but like looking back and I'm going through that myself is even, you know, optimizing or updating content where there's opportunity for more growth for search traffic and Pinterest traffic. Um, 
because people change and the words that they search and the way that they search has changed. We know that um, this is a nice little insider tip for everybody who's listening is that in September, October of 2020, Pinterest did a massive search engine upgrade and it's called uh, Manus Real Time. And Manus Real Time is actually a particular type of technology that helps Pinterest, like they've created their own indexing technology. And so Manus Real Time, um, much like the name, the latter half of the name suggests, is a way to index video and story pins in real time. So when they say real time, you know, it, they're, they're hoping within a matter of 15 minutes that the technology can understand. And that's why we see explosive growth in a very short amount of time for video content and story pin content um and and kind of understanding you know so that wasn't even a thing like if we had taught if we'd had this conversation four or five years ago we didn't even have story pins um so it's really it's really important to always think okay well how can i continue to grow um you know right now what are the trends for how people are searching for food uh related content i know in the springtime you know pantry staples or cooking on a budget was very top of mind for pinterest users as people you know were impacted by the pandemic as shopping became more difficult as um some food supply chains weren't, I know I couldn't buy blueberries from, you know, and that's a very privileged thing to say, but like my son loved blueberries and we could not get blueberries for about five weeks. And my brother actually works in a not food, but related food um, supply chain. And he said, well, this is the, this is what's happening with the pandemic, right? Like, some of the farming communities have been impacted. We can't get all the things we're used to. Um, and so the type, the way that people search. So is it valuable to look back at your, your if you have things that are budget savvy, low ingredients, pantry staples, things that are going to, that are very sort of trending right now, um, or even how to grow your own food and cook with it, you know, like all these sort of things that people have adapted in the last 12 months that's going to help you continue to evolve your content and ensure that it fits in with a trending topic. Uh, this is a really good conversation. I really appreciate all of this because I think that bloggers, food bloggers need to hear this because we get so caught up in the numbers and the frustration in the moment that we don't step back and look at the big picture. And the tortoise and the hare story keeps coming um, into my mind as we're talking, like just consistently, slowly keep, you know, putting in effort and plugging away at Pinterest. Don't give up on it. There's such opportunity and potential for food bloggers on Pinterest if you could give food bloggers one takeaway today, knowing everything we know that happened in 2020, all the changes that are currently happening, what would be your number one takeaway for them? Well, just to really consider how they can continue to evolve their content to meet how, how Pinterest has changed. So looking at leveraging story and video content is going to be crucial for your growth in 2021 and, and moving forward. So, um, you know, sometimes, like I said, don't bother wasting your time resisting, looking at how you can continue to evolve and engage your, your readers in a new way is really going to help you to continue to experience growth and story pins and video pins are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. So I would encourage everybody to take some time about thinking about how they can um, evolve their content and make it part of their content workflow. Great advice. Can I ask you one more quick thing before we wrap up? I just thought of this. So in my Pinterest account, I would say within the past year, I started noticing that, oh my gosh, all of these people were commenting on my pins and leaving pictures. And <laughs> there are so yeah. many, Megan, like I can hardly even wrap my head around this. Like, why are people going there and not my blog? And do I need to take the time to com like comment on all of these people's comments? 
Yeah, so it's a good question. So Pinterest has really moved towards encouraging people to easily engage in app. That is actually the function of story pins. Um, and so what we've noticed is a real uptick in reactions, obviously on story pins or leaving comments. And yes, so comments and engagement on pins will help accelerate your growth. Um, they're trying to make it very easy for people to sort of store their ideas, the, the things they've tried ride. Essentially, you know, Pinterest was designed for people to go out and live their lives, like find the recipe, make it go, go buy the ingredients, make it that night, but they really are encouraging people. So even I find, so I still use Pinterest almost daily for recipes and I'll find, you know, I'll look at something on a Monday and on Tuesday it will say, so did you try this? And encourages me in a very, you know, very organic way to, um, come back, comment, leave a picture if I made the meal. And so what we, they do encourage, so it's hard because I, I manage accounts that have volumes of comments that are just, I can't keep up with. So what I do is I dedicate time once every two weeks. So every week or two to reply and just say like, Oh, thank you. You know, like I try to keep it human, but I also have to be realistic that I can't be giving you know, full out. Um, but I think what people it, it they are encouraging people to stay in app in some ways. Um, and so having people to, you know, leave comments, and if you do have time responding to the high quality ones, is never a bad thing, because you're just encouraging and nurturing your audience, which I think we don't really associate with Pinterest. It was always this, this really anonymous, sacred place where we weren't expected to talk to anybody. <laughs> but it, it does help if you can respond and, um, you know, and and say things back. I think it also just reinforces that we are real people and humans. And we appreciate that they took the time to tell us that our, our recipe looks delicious, or they're going to make that or you have to think about how regular people use Pinterest. And I have regular reality checks with different people who are in my life who do not for the life of them understand what I do. Um, no, do I work at Pinterest? No, I don't. They, oh, I saw this on Pinterest. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. You know, it's like this like hilarious thing that I've, I've just given up. Um, and so I think that when they tell me how they use Pinterest or even last night, um, so because of the fire, we're living at my mother's home and she follows this influencer who does 65 plus makeup and she's telling, she showed me her YouTube channel. And it was so interesting because my mom is a regular person who, you know, doesn't have a lot of high tech computer skills, but she has YouTube influencers that she really enjoys watching. And I said, well, what is it about her? And she said, well, she publishes once a week. It's very like, you know, she's very lovely. She's interested. You know, it was just very... I think as the people creating content, it's really good for us to remember that when people are commenting or it's so funny, like at the opening of this um, recording, you mentioned my blog post about how to name your boards. Listen, I created that on a on the fly. I don't know why I even created it. It is my most popular blog post that will not go away. And like, I'm somebody like, <laughs> I've been doing this long enough that I really love the high level stuff. Like I'm really like very, again, probably because I've been working in this world that I really, I've become, I guess, call myself a niche ex a marketing expert because Pinterest is so particular, but I know website optimization, SEO, email marketing, um, you know, lead magnets, all these things, monetizing your website, you know, like, I know a little bit to I know enough to be dangerous and know more than most people do. But I, I just focus on Pinterest. But the way that I really help my clients and the people I work closely with is having that bigger scope. So asking those questions, I actually did a consult a year ago with a food blogger who, you know, is very, very uh, successful. And it was interesting because the conversations that her and I had were very different. Um, but even I was able to help her identify, you know, it, 
I'm sure everyone can who does who's with Mediavine or AdThrive, like you know your um your income was throttled when your traffic was at an all time high when food searches surged last March and April, and so we talked about it, like how could we continue to pivot? How could she continue to grow other things even though she her ad income even though her traffic doubled during the pandemic, but her, her actual ad income was lower. So, you know, how could, how could she battle that? And just identifying opportunities for continued growth. Um, and I think that I laugh about that blog post because it's so simple. It's often the type of advice that I give the people I work with, keep your content super simple, super basic. You know, my husband, watches a video about how to boil an egg and it has like 7 million views on YouTube. And the day that I, I said, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making sure I boil eggs properly. <laughs> and to me, I'm like, what? But it's a good reminder that often our really simple content is what goes crazy. But I, because of my experience, I tend to go higher level right away. Like, you know, my blog posts that are very like in depth and complicated, um, not they don't get as much love. <laughs> That's so true. I think all of us can relate to that. We all have those kind of anomaly posts or videos or whatever it is that just go wild. And they're like, really? Like, I kind of threw that out without even thinking about it. Just like your post about naming boards. Yeah, I have I have plenty of those recipes that I'm like, okay, well, that's not what I expected. But we'll just run with that. <laughs> yes, right. And then, yeah, it's the, the gift that keeps on giving, but you're not always sure why. I think that too, though, often the the undercurrents of that type of content is I notice it's super simple. And it solves a very simple pain point that even like, you know, my husband's not an advanced cook by any means. But like, you know, when we got married, I, I'm, I thought he knew how to boil an egg. But he's that person what, like reading those very simple because he wants to double check his knowledge. And so as in the food industry, I think even, you know, you're always it's that one little tip from somebody who cooks and is a professional cook or it has a food blog and knows, um, you know, this is their passion and it might just be the way you mix. We were talking last night with my mom or two nights ago about mixing muffins and being very careful not to over mix. And my husband said, I need to watch a video because I don't <laughs> understand how people, you know, like he's like, how can I possibly get the ingredients to fold in, in three strokes? And I thought, well, there you go. So there's probably oh a video for it out there. You can't get simpler than that. A no. three stroke mix. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny for some reason. I love it. So yeah, I mean, it really is. It's You can take things and just be so simple and be wildly successful with those simple concepts. So I yeah. love I love that. I'm going to make that video for your husband and send please it over do. to you. Yes, please do, because he just cannot wrap his head around it. That um, how it could possibly oh, be mixed sufficiently. That is, thank you for the laugh, Megan. And <laughs> tell your husband, thank you. I absolutely loved I that. Will. I will. Well, thank you for this conversation. This was so valuable. And it's been just a pleasure to talk to you and get kind of a new perspective and a fresh a new fresh way to proceed with Pinterest. Because as we've mentioned through this entire conversation, things just seem to be changing and evolving and that can be really frustrating. So thank you for kind of removing that frustration and allowing us to proceed with a new set of eyes. So You're thank so you for, welcome. yes, just thank you for taking the time to be here. And before you go, I always like to ask my guests if they have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share. Oh, I, oh, I love the old done is better than perfect. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> I yes. I those words. Great words to live by. I love it. Thank you for sharing. And we will put together a show notes page for you, Megan. If anyone wants to go peek at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash Megan Williamson. And Megan is spelled M-E-A-G-A-N. Megan, tell everyone where they can find you online. Sure. So obviously my favorite place is always my website. So MeganWilliamson.com. Um, you can often find me. I have a Facebook community that's uh, over 7,000 people in the online space. So that's uh, Pinterest marketing and strategy with Megan Williamson or on Instagram as Megan A. Williamson. I'm kind of in everywhere, right? I have a <laughs> 
the a team and time to make myself available everywhere. But um, if anyone has any questions um, in particular, just reach out to me. I don't bite. I'm a friendly person and I love chatting. Um, I love chatting Pinterest. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.